Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt today, joined by the pride of Fairbury and I mean, yeah, I guess you call him the pride of Denver as well. Bill Dolman joining us here on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Bill's had a couple of weeks off, but he is back <laughs> in with me today. We, we had to, Bill, like the, the, the couple weeks off. Chris was getting a little nervous about your, your pay demands, uh, so... As a result, we got to give you a couple weeks off. But uh, Bill Dolman back with us here today as we got a lot for you. Remember, you can always call the show 402-466-3776. It's 402-466-ESPN or 800-825-5865. Send us a tweet at Herbal Essences for me, Elijah Herbal, and at Bill Dolman for Bill Dolman. I get that right, Bill? At Bill Dolman? Yeah, I think I just basically retweet stuff so I don't get in trouble. So, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's, as, that's as creative as I could get with my Twitter handle was Bill Dolman. Not to be confused with the uh, UFO hunter in uh, New Mexico who is like the world's foremost Area 51 expert. That's another Bill Dolman, but maybe he'd be more interesting, too. Is that true? Oh, it is. Dr. Bill Dolman. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> wow, there's... I don't know what his Twitter handle is, you know, uh, space cadet or something but uh yeah yeah he calls himself an archaeologist and he claims he's found metallic debris in roswell that uh, he believes to be <laughs> extraterrestrial wow amazing what a quick google search can do well uh not that bill dolman that'd be a good bill dolman to get one of these fridays see if yeah, he's well, available yeah. i could take a friday off too like schmitty well, yeah, well we'll get the other bill dolman and just really confuse everyone sitting at home and just talk <laughs> ufos for 20 minutes that'd be fun <laughs> But uh, the other Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury Bill Dolman, with us here today as uh, we got a lot for you. Got to talk some uh, conference expansion. Is the sky blue? We're going to talk conference expansion. That's going to be our topic. You got to think in the next weeks, months, years. uh, That's going to be where where college football is. So we'll get into that a little bit today. Uh, We'll have Jacob Padilla joining us here in about 20 minutes. Also, uh, we'll have some thoughts about the new Husker offense. And uh, to kick off hour two, we will have Rick Kaczynski joining us. And uh, Schmidt and I recorded this interview a little bit earlier this week. And with the shortened holiday week, we've been struggling to find a place to uh, to get Kaz into the show. But it's a good interview. We, we know you guys need to hear it. So uh, we're going to be squeezing that in at the beginning of hour two today, our sit down with Rick Kaczynski. So don't be confused when you hear Schmidt's voice. He's not here for 15 minutes. Uh, we have the ability to record, and we're going to use it today. So uh, that's what we got coming your way. already told you where you can contact the show. Uh, remember, open phone lines most of the show today. Uh, the second half of each hour, really, 402-466-ESPN is where you can give us a call. And if you're listening from around the state, uh, 800 825 
888-729-5865. And Bill, where I want to start this conversation is not college football expansion uh, in terms of conference realignment. That's not where I want to start it. I want to start it off. Do you have your tickets for Mile High Nationals in Denver next weekend up at Bandemir? No, but I should because uh, I, I just had a, I met a new neighbor a couple of days ago uh, walking my 32 pounds of Savage Fury Shaggy. And it uh, turns out my new neighbor is a, is a hot rodder. Uh, mm. National guy, I uh, didn't get his last name, but uh, Chris and his dad, they, they go to all the tracks. I'm, I'm a big race guy. I, I'm an IndyCar guy, NASCAR guy. I can appreciate F1. Uh, I've gotten into, you know, the uh, the the motocross, not uh, uh, the supercrosses and stuff like that. But uh, I, I do like to watch the hot rods every now and then. And Vandermeer is a great place uh, to go. So you're right, I should. So I appreciate you offering to buy my tickets for well, me. Well, I already got my tickets. I'm going to be there next Saturday. That's right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, you, so you've never it's seen the? the uh, they, they got the they got like the 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 oh. It, my dad was telling me maybe the pro stocks aren't coming this year. Those are fun ones, but they do got they got the top fuel dragsters coming out. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure. Have you ever seen those, Bill? Uh, once down in Houston. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fast. It's a fascinating you know uh, event to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. It's exciting. And what's what's great about Bandemir is they got the uh, the open pits up there. So in between runs, you can go walk through all these pits and get up close and personal with the, the, these guys rebuilding the engines, testing the engines out. They got to rebuild them after every single run. That's how powerful these yeah. things are. They end up breaking themselves after three and a half seconds of, of being run at uh, full juice. So they're back there uh, doing their tests and rebuilding the engines. That's a lot of fun. And then, uh, I mean, the, the fastest quarter mile on earth. These, these, yeah. you would not believe how loud these cars are. It's, it's the loudest thing you will ever hear in your life. Uh, in yeah, terms absolutely. of yeah. so loud, yeah. it's almost quiet. Cause it, cause it drowns out everything else. I should go get my neighbor, you know, uh, just uh, about a block away, have him come over and talk some, uh, uh, top fuel, funny cars and stuff like that with you. We'll save that for five forty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> I, I got some of the, the, some of the facts about the draggers. So I won't get into them. I'm not going to bore everyone at home, but some of those facts about those top fuel dragsters are just absurd. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you yeah. never, if you never caught a drag race ever in your life, Topeka for our residents around here, great place to go Topeka. I believe that's in August. And uh, mm-hmm. you can still get tickets for going down to Topeka, and you won't be disappointed. It's, it's a great time if you like any sort of auto racing. So uh, that's where I'll be next weekend, Bill. So if you make the trek up, if you make the, if you make I'm the right trek up, I totally agree that that's a, it's a spectacular show. And I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, if 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 there is a if there's a sport out there that you know the the intricacies and the the intelligence and the engineering and then the the spit and shine. You know, just trying to figure it out on comments. Uh, auto racing is it. Absolutely. Well, uh, Bill, uh, the other thing that needs engineering and uh, a lot of math and a lot of thinking is conference realignment. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy here. And uh, the, the question we're at right now is where do we go next? both short-term and long-term. And there's a lot of unknowns surrounding that. We'll get into what uh, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta had to say. uh, Scott Docterman had some quotes from him that I saw on Twitter. So we'll get into that here in just a second. But it it feels as though we're in a holding pattern right now. When you look at the the, the grand scheme of college football, you would think, uh, as Andy Staples said in his mailbag this week for, uh, for The Athletic, you would think that if the Big Ten wanted Oregon and Washington, the Big Ten would already have Oregon and Washington. But on the other hand, if the Big Ten said no to Oregon and Washington, Oregon and Washington would already have made their next move, whether it be 
uh, going off to the Big 12, whether it be trying to aggressively expand into the Pac-12, you, you'd think there'd be more movement there than it is. So it would seem that those two schools are in a holding pattern, and, and maybe Notre Dame likes the attention, but as I see it here, the college football world is waiting on Notre Dame to make their move. And, and Notre Dame... For as long as they've remained independent, it doesn't seem like it's feasible for them to remain independent any longer with the way college football is moving. And the question to me becomes, is this going to be anything that's going to be resolved this offseason? No, because I think the main players are satisfied with where they are right now. The main players being Fox, ESPN, the Big Ten, and the SEC. They don't need to do anything knee-jerk right now. They never had had to do that. Um, that's why, you know, you were able to do Texas, Oklahoma a year ago. And uh, you want to do USC, UCLA, like I said, a couple of weeks or last week or something. You've got four people around a card table and they're going, what would you like to do? Well, I think uh, how about 2021, we'll take Texas, Oklahoma, SEC and ESPN. OK, that's good. How about in 2022, Big Ten, Fox? We'll take USC and UCLA. Okay, that's good. Um, why don't we say we take a break and walk around the block a little bit, smoke them if you got them, and then we'll come back and see, you know, what else is going on in the uh, destruction and the, the wasteland that is, you know, outside of our little card game. So, yeah, I, I think – and Notre Dame is playing it like I think everybody would expect Notre Dame to play it. We are Notre Dame. We don't have to do anything. But at some point – I, I think everybody agrees they're going to have to because I don't want I don't want to say the petulant child, but to me, Clemson is in the corner screaming up and down, get me out of here, get me to the SEC. And I think that that they're saying, oh, Clemson, just relax. We'll, we'll get to you like we did UCLA and USC. We'll get to you. Maybe it'll be next year, you know. And Oregon and Washington have to wait up in the northwest corner to, you know, for the Big Ten or the SEC. I just don't think that they're in any hurry. Now, to the credit of the the leftovers, shall we say, the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, as much discussion as there has been as to what they're going to do, what are they going to do, what are they going to do, we're just a week away from the USC-UCLA news, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this, this isn't like this happened three months ago. This happened last week. So, or two weeks ago, whatever it's been, as much speculation as there has been and as much wheeling and dealing as there's probably in discussions, they haven't made panic moves either. So to their credit, now it looks like the Pac-12 is going to have its sweater completely uh, pulled apart. And the ACC is, is going to be decimated. The Big 12 might be in a power position, but... Well, people need, you know, when you hear the discussion about the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12, well, that's going to be the third super conference. No, it's not. And they're going to find that out when the TV deal comes through. The Big Ten and the SEC, we all know, are going to get upwards of 100 to $120 million within the next 10 years, right, per year. When that next TV contract comes out for the Big 12, if it's the Big 12, Let's say the Big 12 takes the best of the ACC and the best of what's left in the Pac in the Pac-12, Oregon and Washington. 40, 50, maybe 60 million dollars, right? So that's when you're going to find out that yeah, you can call yourself a power conference, much like the Big 12 says, 
well, we're back to being, you know, because we had UCF and Cincinnati and BYU. No, uh, you're not the same. And they're going to find out when that TV contract comes up that you are not the Big Ten of the SEC. It's not going to be $100 million to you. So, you know, all of that needs, to, but nothing, all that needs to be figured out. But they haven't made any panicked moves just yet. But I think the writing is on the wall for the Pac 12. And, and nobody talks about Wake Forest or Georgia Tech. You know, some of these schools, they're in the same boat on the on the East Coast as Oregon State and Washington State are on the on the West. I mean, those schools are not talked about at all. And nobody's talking about Duke. If you want to get an idea of how much college basketball matters, which is nothing, nobody is talking about Duke. Maybe Duke goes to the Big Ten, but it's all about football. Mm. And if North Carolina bolts for the SEC – or maybe the Big Ten. What's Duke going to do? You know, as a, it's, we are at bas- are they going to join the Big East? Is that going to become the premier basketball conference in the country? Maybe, maybe that's where Syracuse ends back up. And now you've got Duke, Syracuse, maybe Pittsburgh, uh, you know, Creighton, Kansas in the in the Big East conference as like the lone basketball power conference. I, I don't know, but nobody's talking about some of those schools at all. Bill, my, my question to you, this just brings up a, a thought with him. We, we've heard people mention the fact that the, the move of UCLA and USC doesn't make sense for, say, the, the small non-revenue generating sports, the Olympic sports, the, the baseballs, the, vo- the volleyballs, the men's gymnastics, women's gymnastics. It doesn't make sense for them. Could you see the, a conference system coming about which is completely separate from football as it is from all the other sports around, say, I mean, we heard from Gary Barnett yesterday on the show. He thinks the eventual way this goes is we're going to have one 40-team super conference, probably not in the near future, but in, in the distant future, one 40-team super conference of all the, the top players in college football, and then you'll have a couple conferences below that that's everyone else. And from a football point of view, I think that makes perfect sense, and I think that is more than likely the way we're going, but it doesn't make sense for the other sports. So could you see schools specifically saying, I mean, uh, let's take Duke for an example. They're going to go uh, to the Big Ten for, say, basketball and everything else. But for football, the Big Ten doesn't want them, so they're going to remain in the ACC. Or uh, Oregon and Washington, they go to the Big Ten for football and football alone, but in everything else, they remain in the Pac-12. Is that is that viable? I, I'm not sure that, that they would necessarily call themselves the Big Ten and the, the, the SEC and all that. Maybe, maybe those... 40, 48 schools. And again, thank you to Gary Barnett for listening to the Average Joe, listening to the Average Joe Sports Show in 2004. Uh, I was the one who talked about all this. Um, I think that what you're going to see is the maybe maybe the NCA stays in business as a governing body over all of the Olympic sports that is protected in some way, and maybe you have conferences that are that are completely named completely different. But you cannot have all this stuff happening with uh, Wake Forest traveling to Oregon State for conference matchups. It's just not possible. So I, I, I think the NCAA has some semblance of authority for all of that. But you're going to have to regionalize those sports. You don't have the money outside of those power 40 or 48. Um, and then you know, I, I just don't think you're going to go 
say you got to compete on the Tuesday or Thursday and come back and take your classes and track and gymnastics does not make sense at all. And maybe that doesn't get decided until five, ten years down the road. There's Bill Dolman but joining it can't us. Be, it, can't be, it can't be the where you're having Florida schools go to Oregon for midweek competitions. Bill Dolman joining us on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Be with us the entire show today. We love our Fridays with Bill Dolman. And uh, so thankful that Bill's willing to join us here on a Friday. So thank you, Bill Dolman. We'll have Jacob Badilla coming your way after the break. Thoughts from uh, Iowa AD Gary Barta also coming your way. We'll have our sit down with Rick Kaczynski and a whole lot more coming your way on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we'll be sitting down with Jacob Badilla next talking some Husker basketball, Emmanuel Bandamel, and uh, Huskers in the NBA. That's all coming your way next on Hale Varsity Radio. Storm Chasers fans, suit up. My spidey senses are tingling. July 22nd is Marvel Night. While the ballplayers are wearing Black Panther jerseys, you too can be repping your favorite Avenger. My all-time favorite is Iron Man. Outside of the fact that he's downright awesome, his wit and sarcastic nature is similar to mine. So essentially, I am Iron Man. Thor will also make an appearance that night. When you say hi to him, make sure to say, Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? He loves that. Come be a superhero and watch the Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs. Get your tickets now. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back in on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbel and Bill Dolman filling in for Chris Schmidt on a Friday as uh, Schmidt is off watching the little guy play some baseball. And uh, we'll have Schmidt back on a Saturday edition tomorrow morning as Schmidt out at Wilderness Ridge for the Team Jack Golf Classic. That's where he'll be. I'll be uh, chained up in the studio as I always am on these remote shows. And uh, Schmidt will be on the link. So what's new? Uh, that's uh, coming your way tomorrow, but Bill Dolman with me here today, and uh, we're excited to be joined by Jacob Padilla. You read him on HaleVarsity.com and Hale Varsity Magazine covering Husker basketball and a whole lot more. And Jacob made it home just in time for this interview. And, and, and Jacob, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day on a Friday. Uh, so I, I got to ask, what had you so busy on a Friday that you were rushing home for this interview? I just ran over to the store, pick up a few things. Um, got a got a tournament this weekend, so I'll be coaching in, watching a bunch of games. So need to pick up a few things before the weekend started. Picked up a few things. So how many hundreds of dollars did that cost you? <laughs> uh, under a hundred. So not too bad. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. That it, it's been gas. I mean, even though it's it's going back down, it's it's the gas that's been crazy, and groceries have been crazy, and. I, I digress. This is a sports talk show, uh, but but craziness. Uh, Jacob, I want to get into your story here to to lead off on Emmanuel Bandamel. He's been a a real wild card in my eyes for this Husker basketball team in terms of what he brings to the floor because he he doesn't seem like the traditional type of uh, of addition for a, a Fred Hoiberg offense. I know we're, we're jumping right into this here, but. Uh, Emmanuel Bandemel is a guy, he, he didn't come in with a whole lot of acclaim uh, as a transfer, but I think as recent weeks and months have gone on, uh, it seems like he's a guy that, that the Husker basketball team and Coach Hoiberg and, and company are, are planning on relying on this upcoming season. Would you say that's a, a fair assessment of what Emmanuel Bandemel brings to the court? I mean, 
he said it himself. He he wants to go off and, and play in the NBA, and he thinks Nebraska is a, a good chance for him to to reach that level. Um, but do you think that a, a guy like Bandamel, with how he doesn't seem to necessarily fit with what Fred Hoiberg has been doing here in recent years, do you think he's a guy that that Husker fans can expect to rely on uh, in this upcoming season? I guess, I guess is the heart of my question. Yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see just kind of where he falls into that rotation and what his production looks like. Um, I think they're bringing him in as a guy that can space the floor, shot uh, about 35.5% from three this past season. Um, he's a guy that played on a top 60 defensive team at, at SMU, and I think they're uh, going to count on him on that end, just kind of be a two-way, 3D type of guard, although he wants, to, he wants to show he can be a little bit more than that. Like That's what he's focusing on, tighten up uh, his, his ball handling and his playmaking. He wants to have the ball in his hands a little bit more and kind of seize an opportunity for that within Fred Hoiberg's system where it's spaced out and you have multiple ball handlers, different guys have a chance to, to make plays. Um, so I think that that's what appealed to him when he went into the portal and started looking around. He talked to his, uh, his coach, Tim Jankovic, who um, just got done at SMU and talked to the new coach over there, Rob, Rob Lanier, just asking about the, the various coaches that were recruiting him and their systems and what they thought. And, uh, he really liked what he saw from uh, Fred Hoiberg's offense on, on tape. So um, kind of sees himself as a good fit there, sees this as an opportunity to kind of grow and show a little bit more uh, of his game and hopefully kind of appeal to decision makers at the next level, um, give himself a chance to have a pro career, whatever that may look like. And we'll see again. I think he's he's one of the three super seniors on the team with Sam Griso and Derek Walker. So. I think they're counting on him for a leadership from an experience standpoint to bring all those things. He, he mentioned how defensively he really likes it to be vocal and make sure everybody's in the right spots and communicate and kind of just direct traffic on that end. And it's really important to have guys like that. You have to uh, communicate well on the defensive end in order to be, to be successful. And he's a guy that takes pride in trying to do that and making sure he brings everybody along with him. Jacob Padilla with us here on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. You can find him on Twitter at Jacob Padilla underscore. And Jacob, you mentioned the three super seniors that are going to be on this Husker basketball roster the upcoming season. Sam Griesel, Emmanuel Bandamel, and Derek Walker. Bandamel, when he met with the media the other day, did mention the fact that while he hasn't been on the floor with Sam Griesel, he has been doing his research, studying game film of Griesel and figuring out how he can play to best I guess, accent how, how Sam Griesel is going to be playing the game of basketball. And, uh, that, that's a kind of a mature response that you'd expect from a guy who's been playing a lot of college basketball and, and wants to make it to the next level. So uh, do you think that the play of those three guys, Derek Walker, Emmanuel Bandamel, and, and Sam Griesel, are, are what's going to determine how successful Nebraska basketball can be this season? Or, or is it going to be the young guys, the, the Blaze Kiedas of the world, and, and the, the, almost the, the guys you're not really sure what to expect from? Uh, are those going to be the guys that are, are kind of your X factor this season and determine what kind of success Nebraska has? Yeah, in order to take lead forward, it's going to have to be both. That's kind of what they didn't really get last year, where you had um, a guy like Bryce McGowan's come in and uh, have a really good freshman year. Um, but some of the veterans, like uh, obviously Trey got hurt and Lat Mayen didn't perform up to expectations. And then some of the other guys, I, I mean, well, Brian Bach got hurt too, but didn't, didn't look quite ready to, to contribute just too much before he got hurt. So um, like the whole team just didn't come together and they didn't have enough pieces to compete on a cons- consistent basis. 
So they're going to need those seniors to set the tone, and those guys are going to have to be consistent and solid for them game in and game out. I think in order for this team to be good, you probably need Sam Griesel to be the best player on the team on a consistent basis. And that's not saying he's got to score 17 points a game, but he's got, whether it's points, boards, assists, he's got to be producing for you every single game. And then I think you're looking to get some good production out of that kind of two-headed center duo between Derek Walker and Blaze Keita coming in here and listed as a sophomore, but he's got two years of junior college um, basketball plus a prep year, I believe, under his belt. So um, he, he's, he's listed as a sophomore, but he, he's got – about four years post high school uh, of development under his belt now almost. So, or, or uh, three years at least. So, he, uh, I think you, you need to get some consistent post production out of them. You need good play from those seniors on, on the wings. And then, if a guy like, and I think you know what you're going to get from CJ Walter to an extent. He's going to be a, a really good shooter. Um, it, it, we're going to talk to him next week, it sounds like, and everybody's been raving about the the work that he's put in physically on his body to kind of reshape himself uh, and the weight he's cut, which I think should help him hold up better defensively uh, and perhaps maybe create a little bit more out the bounce next year. Uh, but I, I think how good this can be, how, what does a guy like Denim Dawson or Romel Lloyd Jr. or some of these other guys that you're going to be looking at to potentially fill out the rotation, what does Wilhelm look like coming off the, the, the injury? You're going to need those guys to fill out those five, six, seven, eight spots in the rotation. And if you can't get to a full rotation of guys that, that can really play for you and help you, you're going to have a tough time winning games in the Big Ten. Jacob Adilla with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Jacob, let's shift gears here just a little bit and talk Huskers in the NBA. We've had uh, NBA Summer League action going down for the past couple of nights. And you can mention all you want about Chet Holmgren, his first night, amazing. His next night after that, well, not so great on the defensive end. Uh, and, I mean, there's there's overreaction aplenty in, in NBA Summer League. That's kind of how uh, the NBA Summer League goes. It almost feels like the point of it is for fans to hop on Twitter and argue about their new draft picks, about who's good and who's bad, and no one really knows anything. But uh, we have got to see uh, a guy in James Palmer play in the, the Summer League this year. And uh, you've also had news in recent weeks of Isaiah Roby joining the Spurs. And it feels weird from my point of view being a guy to talk about Huskers in the NBA. That's not something that... I've ever really been accustomed to in my lifetime uh, based on uh, what Nebraska has been producing out of the uh, Husker basketball team since I was born in 1999. So while it feels a little bit different, uh, I just want you to, to touch briefly on Isaiah Roby's fit with the Spurs uh, as well as James Palmer. And, and could he eventually make an NBA roster or is he destined for a, a career of G League or, or, or Europe play? I mean, he's performed well in the summer league thus far. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll start with. Uh, Palmer briefly. Um, he played in a couple of games with the Utah Jazz over in the Salt Lake City um, uh, Summer League over there, just kind of one of the little mini leagues that leads up to the big thing in Vegas, which uh, started last night. Um, he did. He got a DNP in their last game. Uh, he started one game, came off the bench one, didn't play in another, so I think they're just kind of mixing guys in and out. He uh, kind of looks about what he has been. He, he did some stu- some good stuff, but Still struggled to, to be efficient. Um, ended up with, I think, more shot attempts than points. Uh, but he was in scored nine and then like 12 or 14, I believe, uh, in the second game. So I, I think ultimately he is a guy that um, the, the G League kind of making a, a nice career overseas is probably where he's headed. As for Roby, I do kind of like the, the fit in San Antonio just in terms of what they have on their roster compared to OKC. 
he just ran into a numbers crunch. I, I think the Thunder liked him. They, they liked what he showed them last year, uh, filling in with various injuries and uh, DNP uh, rest for the, the veterans they had on that team. Um, he played really well down the stretch of the season, improved his three-point uh, shooting percentage quite a bit, um, shot it really well this past season. So I think he established himself as an NBA player, but they've got so many young guys in the front court. And obviously they just drafted Chet uh, in Jalen Williams uh, from Arkansas as a second-round guy. Uh, and they've got a bunch of guys, Darius Basley, they had, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl last year. Uh, and they still got uh, Derek Favors in there, the veteran Mike Muscala hanging around. So he just ran into a numbers crush. They can't keep all their young guys. So um, I, I talked to Chris last week uh, about it and said, yeah, they, they, they picked up his option for the next year, but I kind of felt like that was more uh, buying them time to, to work out a trade. It just never felt like there was going to be roster space for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas San Antonio, you look at it and – they, they just drafted Jeremy Sohan uh, in the lottery, so that's a young big coming back. But outside of him, they've got uh, Jakob Pertl. They've got um, uh, Doug McDermott, obviously, is in there. They've got uh, um, Zach Collins. Uh, and that's really all they've got in their front court right now. Um, outside of Sohan, most of their recent like first-round picks have been in the backcourt, in, in guards. So uh, I think there is some room for Roby there, especially if – uh, Pirtle has been a popular name on, on, on the trade market. Um, if they work out a deal, they, they st- I think they've still got some roster spots to fill out. We'll see kind of what the roster looks like once we get to the season. But um, I, I think he'll have a chance to play there. And they, um, I believe they were ninth on the waiver wire. So I, I think there were a good number of teams that were interested in him. And San Antonio liked him enough to, to pick him up on his uh, $1.9 million salary for this next year. He'll have a season, one year left on his deal here to – kind of show San Antonio that he can be a, a part of the rotation moving forward. Jacob, last thought here, about 15 seconds. What's on deck for the elite Padilla AAU team this weekend? <laughs> we're, we're playing in our last tournament here at home, the Midwest Live over Council Bluffs, the field house. Um, teams had a, a great season. We'll, we'll get a chance to play three Minnesota teams, and then we got a rematch with a, a Supreme team from out of Lincoln with some really good players from down in that area. So. Looking forward to it. Should be a fun weekend, and then we spend our next two weeks on the road uh, to close out July. Jacob, good luck with that, and appreciate your time today here on a uh, Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. I appreciate it. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC and after a couple of road matches will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Friday here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Schmitty getting another Friday off, so it's the Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman show today as Bill gracious enough to give us two hours of his time uh, from the great city of Denver. Bill is checking in with us today, and uh, you've heard Bill a couple times in the past month here on Hale Varsity. You know we, you know we love him on Fridays, and uh, can't thank Bill enough for uh, joining us here 
Uh, today, as uh, we talk a lot of conference realignment, we're going to hit uh, what Nebraska's offense could look like next year with uh, Matt Masker's comments with on three. But conference realignment's been the topic here for hour one. Uh, real quick, uh, it, if you're going to email Schmitty, you're not going to get a reply because he's about uh, foot deep and uh, 12 pack of Schmitt's pie out. So, you know, forget that. <laughs> well, you got to do it at the baseball field, especially in a day like today. I mean, it's actually not actually all that hot in Lincoln today. We had uh, the thunderstorms roll through last night, and I'm not sure how well you know the city of Lincoln, but we had like cars trapped in water because it was just downpoured for like an hour. Um, so it's been it's been a humid one today, not as hot as it actually feels like outside. But uh, yeah, Schmitty, en- enjoying his Friday off. He'll be back with you on a Saturday edition, uh, seven to nine here locally on ESPN Lincoln is. Uh, he joins us from the golf course, Wilderness Ridge, the Team Jack Golf Classic tomorrow morning. And uh, Schmitty will be with us there, but he's got the day off today. Uh, before we get out of here this hour, I want to discuss uh, some of Gary Barta's comments today. This comes from uh, a news conference on Friday. Scott Dockerman with The Athletic reporting on it. And uh, Gary Barta not convinced the Big Ten is looking to add more members, at least here in the short term. His quote, will there be more? I don't have a crystal ball. But at this point, I can tell you the Big Ten is still not seeking members. I know the Big Ten is taking calls, and they inform us when they take calls just so we have a general idea. But again, I don't envision expansion. If I were predicting, I'm not predicting that we would be adding any more in the near future. So and after what we discussed in the first segment, I mean, that kind of goes right along with what you said, Bill, with uh, the fact that we are in a holding pattern and there isn't urgency. And uh, Gary Barta seems to to echo that. And uh, Gary Barta's been a, a pretty good voice for the league here, uh, despite the fact he is at Iowa. Gross. Um, <laughs> throwing personal opinion in here. Why not? Uh, but Barta's a guy who's been around the game for forever and, uh, and, and understands it. And he's a trustworthy source uh, of, of information, at least within the Big Ten Conference. And, uh, Barta said he won't talk directly about any one school and uh, doesn't envision any expansion either. That's uh, won't talk about any one school when uh, asked about Notre Dame. So, Bill, y- your response to that, I mean, kind of goes right along with what we were saying back in segment one. Well, yeah. Thank you to Gary Barta for this. Appreciate it. Uh, it I, I do. I don't think it has to do anything right now. They didn't do anything a year ago. Oklahoma made its decision, right? They waited a year. And now you've got an opportunity to take a look at the landscape to see what is the Pac-12, the ACC's reaction going to be. And has, and they haven't made a knee-jerk reaction just yet. So my guess is that somebody's going to do something. When that happens, I don't know. We all know that if Notre Dame falls, the Big Ten, or the SEC, which I just don't see that happening. The Big Ten will take that phone call and say, when can we send the moving vehicles? Right? So, yeah, I don't think they're going to do anything right now. They don't need to do anything right now. And especially with Notre Dame being independent, the only real tie that Notre Dame has is NBC. And my guess is Notre Dame gets say, this is what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, big t- and now we're going to go do it. But I, you know, where I heard a couple of weeks ago was saying I didn't think the ACC would get decimated. 
And I think that that's probably going to happen. So there really is no landing spot for Notre Dame to fight the ACC future. And most of all these contracts with the Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC, with um, UCLA and USC going into the Big Ten, all this is going to happen in two years. This isn't happening at the start of this college football season. So there's still some time for Notre Dame to make that decision. And when they do, when all the parts get together, the will be made. But nothing that the Big Ten or the SEC has to, uh, has to be done immediately. And they've got to tell Washington and Oregon, yeah, maybe we'll call you. Maybe we won't. If you want to go get into the Big 12, okay. Maybe you don't sign a long-term contract. Uh, same might be said of uh, some of the schools down southeast of the SEC, although I'm sure that if they decide the SEC, they'll all go. But I don't think, I don't think those who are in charge have to do anything knee-jerk reaction anymore. They've already proven that with the Texas Oklahoma and the UCLA and USC. More from uh, uh, Gary Barta's uh, press conference today is uh, he discussed scheduling in the Big Ten Conference, saying uh, it's likely that divisions will go away, but it's too soon to say how scheduling will take place with USC and UCLA uh, joining the league. So uh, the scheduling is up in the air. It is likely, though. Uh, that he believes that the uh, the division system will go away, but that is not until USC and UCLA join in 2024. Specifically regarding Nebraska, he says, I'm going to fight for as many rivalries as I can get. Mentions four in that category that he would like to keep around, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Uh, so we're getting that that the, the protected rivalry uh, topic, uh, which has been so uh, emphasized here. And Bill, with about 90 seconds left here, uh, we're testing, seeing how our audio is here, and going to pose a question to you, and this is how we're going to test it out. Do you think <laughs> college football stays in a 12-game f- format in, in their season? Because when you're looking at the fact that you might have a, an 18-team conference, a 20-team conference, Iowa's here saying, we have four rivalries we'd like to protect. The, the math isn't adding up in terms of how you're going to be able to get all those games in. So do you see a, a situation where – the 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 powers that be extend the college football season to say maybe 14 games because with every game you add you're adding more tv revenue and there's been the argument for a long time that you can't do that to the college kids bodies but the nfl is already expanding games we've discussed how this this new college football format is moving more towards a system uh like the nfl more like a pro format where if you're adding more games it's only generating more revenue and the dollars and cents are what's driving college football right now and that's where my mind goes do you go to say 11 game conference slate with three non-conference games and make it a 14 game season. I still say the college football business model is going to have a union challenge at some point. Whenever the NFL talks about expanding, it's all about television, but professional football has the union at least fight for them. Even though they add games, they still have the union fighting. For football players, when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, somebody is going to tell those players, you need somebody looking out for you, and there is going to be union talk with college football. It's just going to have to happen, especially if you tell them we're going to have 13, 14, 15 games. 
And what's happened to the bowl system? Nobody's talking about the bowls at all in this whole match, right? So I'm just telling you, there's going to be labor issues with college football before they can expand to 20 games. There is Bill Dolman with us on a Friday edition. We'll wrap up uh, hour one of Hale Varsity after this. Coming up next hour, we'll also have our sit down with Rick Kaczynski from earlier this week. That's all coming your way uh, later on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Friday edition of Hale Varsity here. Uh, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman talking some conference realignment here in hour one. We'll uh, hit Nebraska's offense coming up in hour two. Also got a sit down with Rick Kaczynski coming your way leading off hour two. That's about 10 minutes away. But uh, Bill, I-, I think had more points to make here about this uh, this discussion of expanding a college football season, uh, extending it to say 14 games, getting enough conference games, uh, up in that money for for a conference and how much money you're going to be getting back. So, uh, Bill, I think you you were saying to me that you, you had another point you wanted to make on this. So, go the floor well, is yours. I, I know that uh, the the issue with the number of games and the amount of money and, and all of that. What, what are college football fans going to do? When the union talk starts to percolate, and I cannot believe that when we talk about hundreds of millions of dollars, that somebody is not going to convince these players who were convinced, of, what, a decade ago to start going after their name, image, and likeness, look what happened. They got it. Now you're going to have hundreds of millions of dollars in television revenue coming to the university. Somebody's going to tell them, look, you need to get your share of that pie, too. And then you're going to get into and that's probably a decade away when that money starts to be realized. What are college football fans going to do when you start hearing the terms collective bargaining agreements, uh, strike? I, I, I'm just I, – it's, it, it's going to be – if we are moving in this direction with those 40, 48 schools – you're going to have political issues that start to percolate and uh, become a part of the conversation. It's the way it is. It's Bill Dolman with us here on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Before we get out of here this hour, a quick reminder that nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can re- re- excuse me, reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash is to buckle up. A message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. So a lot coming your way in hour two. If you missed anything in hour one, uh, we had a sit down with Jacob Padilla talking a little bit about Emmanuel Bandemil, Sam Greasel, some Huskers in the NBA. If you missed any of that, it'll be posted up shortly here on ESPNLincoln.com. And uh, you can also check out the full show in its podcast form. Uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube page is a great way to check that out. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you really like to get your podcasts, uh, you can do that there. You can also stream us live, ESPNLincoln.com, the iHeartMedia app, TuneIn uh, Radio, Odyssey. The, the, the opportunities are endless for you to stream Hale Varsity Radio. So uh, any way you like to listen to us, we like to serve the people and do it in that sense. So check that out and check out the full Herd at Media family of podcasts as well. Uh, Schick and Nick. 
Kick, the Straight Up Breakdown, the Varsity Club podcast, the I-80 preview, all of those available. Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, so make sure to check those out. Leave a rating, uh, subscribe. Uh, we appreciate it. We'd love to hear back from you. We'll have our sit-down with Rick Kaczynski coming your way after the break. It's a Friday edition of Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Shaking off the cobwebs uh, post-4th of July. We say hi to the coach, Rick Kaczynski, with us. Uh, Nebraska and Iowa, of course. Kaz, did you light the neighborhood up? How are you? Hey, man, how are you? Now, not me, brother. I'm uh, keeping I'm cheap. You know, I'm not going to spend my money on dumb stuff like that. I'll let other, other people entertain me. But, uh, yeah, it was... Some uh, some people spent some dough, so I just uh, sat on the back porch and watched everybody else light their stuff off, watch their money go up in the uh, up in the air and disappear. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I uh, I threw on uh, Zero Dark 30 and crawled into bed after I had too, too, uh, way too much steak and ice cream. We had homemade ice cream and fired up the steak, uh, fired up Dad's uh, grill and Got her done that way, and, and now we're, we're back and off and running with uh, with recruiting. And uh, I wanted to get your take on this. Nebraska and Mickey Joseph have done a really good job of hitting uh, some of the targets that, that they're going after, specifically at the skill spot wide receiver for Mickey. But I wanted to get your take on uh, if it's between two guys uh, and a guy that might not play the best competition, but just crushes it do you uh i, I guess my, the, the long and short your eyes don't lie no matter who a kid's playing is that fair if, if a kid's yeah yeah i mean you, you know enough you're you're around you see so many kids um you, you know the formula um you you could make a hypothesis on if a kid's going to be successful i mean like we've talked about before they're you know these high school coaches they got small staffs you got small towns you don't have weight rooms you got you know uh you got you got high schools that are small where all kids play three sports so you know then you got high schools like in texas and ohio and pennsylvania where they got college weight rooms and their own strength strength coaches so kids develop at a at a different pace but you know when you put on the film it's not necessarily what uh what they're playing against um, you know, it's what they can do with their bodies. It's how they can bend. It's it's the twitch. It's how tight they keep their arms to their side. It's how they how they cut um, 
you know, are they cutting straight leg? Are they cutting with their knees bent? Are they changing directions? Uh, how many steps does it take? Is there false movement? So, mm-hmm. you, quite frankly, you're you're not even looking at the opponent. You're you're watching the kid you're recruiting. You know, and really, if it, if it came down to two guys, usually you don't have both guys. That that rarely happens. So, if you have both guys that want to come, and you know, all the staffs I've been on, you you, you take them both. Mm-hmm. You know, because they'll they'll help you. You know, they'll help you some way. Like, you know, like Coach Joseph, a lot of the guys, I'm sure he's recruiting that receiver. and probably won't end up playing receiver, you know. But that's a that's a good thing because, you know, if you don't make it at receiver, there's a lot of positions you can you can go. And, and when you look at the different positions, you know, that's why you don't want to miss. That's why I know Vinny Serrato, when he was at Notre Dame, and Coach Holtz and Joe Moore, rarely, rarely did they recruit a true offensive lineman because if if you were an offensive lineman and you can't play offensive line, that's, you know, that's the end of the line right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, offensive linemen don't, don't, don't get moved to defensive line. That just doesn't work like that. But, you know, you see linebackers move to D-line, D-line, move to tight ends, move to move to offensive linemen. So, you know, the hardest position, in my opinion, is to recruit and to recruit an offensive lineman that's ready-made, that plays one sport. Those are the guys that, man, you better do as much homework as you possibly can. But, you know, when it comes to skill guys, if you got skill guys that put their hand up, man, you take you take as many as you possibly can because they're going to help you somewhere on the field on either side of the ball. Rick and Gid- special teams. Absolutely. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, what about specialization? Uh, I... I, in our household, I discourage specialization as young as he is. So I still want him to play ball, football, and baseball. And if he's not going to do, uh, do basketball or make basketball, at least, you know, do, do pickup basketball, uh, that type of thing. Uh, what's your thought here? What, what's the crossover with, uh, with track and field, some of those spring sports, and also wrestling uh, when it comes to, to finding a multi-sport football player? Well, you know, we, I come from an era where you, you played three sports. It was a, it was a no-brainer. Um, and, you know, weightlifting, especially in high school, most, most high school guys have absolutely no idea what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, strength and conditioning has, been, has become um, a science. Um, nutrition has become a science. It, it's changed so much. You just don't have, you know, guys that uh, train guys that are were were big lifters in college and and um, and strong guys. Now it, it's become so scientific. Um, you know that things change. You don't have that in high school. So you know, I, I think become a better athlete. Uh, you can always make a guy stronger. You can't make a guy more athletic. Your window for making a guy more athletic, for um, for honing in on the hand-eye coordination, all the all the sports. You know, I, I, I talk to I talk to my son and my daughter about this all the time. You know, my daughter's playing tennis, volleyball, track. You know, it all those sports are going to make her better at each sport. Um, my son playing playing baseball you know the you know, you you're bending at the knees you're bending at the hips hand eye coordination um you know moving laterally false movements you know basketball 
defense to slide and running up and down the court, changing the direction. That just that's just going to make you better. What I don't like about the specialization, I think there's a lot of overuse with body parts. Mm-hmm. And I know I saw this as I, you know, as I, you know, stayed in coaching, as I got a little bit um, long in the tooth in coaching. Which you saw a lot of high school kids coming in that needed minor surgeries. You know, nothing major, but there was so much wear and tear because they're not being trained by professionals. I mean, these guys are doing a good job in high school, but there's just overuse. Um, And it's overuse of the same body part. And when guys play just football or just basketball or just baseball, what I don't like about it, there's there's a big portion of the year that you're not competing. If you just play football and you're an offensive lineman, how the hell are you going to get better and more athletic, you know, doing things on your, just doing things on your own? I mean, you know, let's, let's go to a gym. You're going to work a little bit harder in, in group settings than, than doing things. If I'm working out in my house or I go to CrossFit, I damn for sure work a hell of a lot harder. There's things that, that I'm going to, that I'm going to cut short in my, in my garage that <laughs> I'm going to finish at CrossFit. Right. I mean, you know, nobody's running 20 gassers on their own you just don't see that so so what i don't like about guys who specialize is one it's the overuse and then two it's i i think you take away some kids athletic ability um and then three you're not competing you know if you're a football player and your season ends let's say you have a great season and you make it to the playoffs and say take pennsylvania you go into the second week of december now you got january february march april may June, July, you got you got seven months before you're competing again. That's the part of it that I that I don't like. You got seven months where you're really isolated. You're not around. You might be around your teammates, but you're not part of it. You're not part of a team, right? So I, I just I I hate I hate when kids play one sport. I hate when kids stop playing one sport. Um, uh, you know, my kids are playing three sports until other people tell them they can't play anymore. Mm. Yeah, you know, period, end, period, end of story. I mean, so, yeah, you know, I, I love gym rats. The kids that I was able to coach and the successful kids, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, you go down the list of guys, you know, at the guys at Iowa, they, they you know, Fowler, basketball, um, you know, Mike Daniels, he was a, a wrestler, um, track. Uh, you look at the Davis twins track. You go down. The, you go down the list. You know. You look at Baker Steinkohler. I mean, these guys played multiple st- multiple sports. Malik Collins, state championship wrestler. Um, I, I just, I just, I just like when guys are are competing. I, I I hate when my kid is not competing. It drives me absolutely nuts. Right. I mean, that's what I hate right now about this daddy ball, right? I mean, you, you, you know, you're a part of it, Schmidt. You've been a part of it. It dry, It's not okay. It's not okay to lose, right? I don't <laughs> care if they're just 11. I don't care if they're just 12. I hear that all the time when from the parents and the coaches when they lose. Well, then why are you playing, right? I, I hate that. I hate that mentality. And, and, and that mentality, I think, creeps in. You know, when you're playing one sport, and I think too here and here and different coaches say different things. Like, you know, my son had a had a had a pitching lesson, and I'm not some nut job dad with that stuff. I'm not, you know, but there's a guy that works with them that played in the major leagues for a long time that thinks my son has a chance. So, 
you know, there's things that he says that his coaches don't say. So he's hearing it from a different boy. He's hearing how to get to the same place but taking a different path. And I think that you can see that, too, when kids play other sports. Guys coach different ways. They get different things from different coaches, and they learn how to complete, compete, and they face different adversity, and they figure out how to overcome things, you know, instead of just, you know, you know working one-on-one with a personal trainer. I just, I just don't like that, man. But, so, you know, if it's up to me, I'd make kids play, play three sports or at least two sports in high school, and the kids that I was able to coach and the, and the names and the players that I think of that had long NFL careers – and the kids that had great college careers at Iowa, Nebraska, and South Carolina, I, I don't know if there's a single guy that played just one sport. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, going to wind down on this. I don't know that it happened a lot for defensive linemen. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I think of kind of the quarterback tutors guys have gone to during the off season that aren't part of the, the program. Uh, is that something that you, you found to be problematic or you saw from the periphery is problematic or as long as a kid's getting working at the college level, it doesn't matter. What was your take on that? Uh, well, I, I think, uh, you know, my, my take on that, it's such a skill, it's such a skill specific uh, right. position and I think, you know, most, most quarterback coaches that on the college level, a majority of them didn't play quarterback, right? A lot of them are coordinating, and they don't have that time to specifically work with them. Like, I have a, I have a good friend of mine, Jeff Kilberg, and he took his son down to um, an elite, I think, elite 11 with, with Trent Dilfer. Okay. And Trent was able to work with him. Now, he, he goes to Maine South in Park Ridge, Illinois. Great program. One of the if not one of the best, if not the best program in the state of Illinois. And, you know, they got great coaches there. But Trent can, once again, like I was talking about my son going with this major league guy. Everybody's trying to get to the same place. But, man, this guy might know a path. He might know a trigger word. He might see something a little bit different and have time to hone in on that specific skill, right? What I, what I like about these guys who specialize is the fact that it's not cookie cutter. And a lot of times position coaches, just because of the nature of the time that you have with your, with your players, that you can't be around them all summer, that you can't see them throw all the time, is that I don't want to say a cookie cutter approach, but you're, trying, you're, teaching, the, you're teaching a lot of blanket basic things to the same kids where – what I've seen, and trust me, I was a guy. I mean, dude, I, I mean, trust me. I, I'm sitting here. I'm like, I can't believe my old man would kick me in the shins if he was alive. If he knew I was paying for batting lessons for an 11 year old, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm like out of my mind. Like, I, like I should, I should beat my own, my own ass if I could. <laughs> uh, same thing, but, but you know, but also, but, but I, but I have really embraced it because this guy's such a good coach. I recognize that my son is getting to where his travel ball coaches want him to get to, but yeah. this guy created an easier path for him to get there. It's mm-hmm. not a it's not a cookie-cutter approach. Mm-hmm. He's taking my son individually, breaking down his body movements and saying, okay, this is what you need to do. When you get – he's a big lefty. When you get that leg up, man, when you're getting that leg kick up, you got to drop. 
you got to drop that hand with that ball so you can open your chest up. Well, I'm like, okay, well, good Lord, that, that's easy. That makes sense, right? Well, I know his travel ball coaches, they're teaching six different pitchers. They don't have that time sure. to take six kids and work with them individually in a two-hour practice, mm. right? So, so I, I'm not against that stuff, and, and, I, and I, think it, I think it really helps those guys, and I think it helps recruiting too. I mean, you can't tell a kid now, especially a quarterback, that you don't want him working with that guy. Uh, or you don't believe in that stuff. So I think a lot of the quarterback coaches, a lot of the coordinators embrace that because these guys are getting skill-specific, uh, individualized attention to their needs. So, so yeah, question, you know, uh, that's a long answer, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to embrace those things, and, you know, I've come a long way. I've, I've grown up. But, you know, I used to come from a school where everybody stinks. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing except the coaches I coach with and the head coach that I coach for, right? But, you know, you got to open your eyes a little bit and, and, uh, and be, you know, and, and, and see the big picture. Love it. Coach Rick Kaczynski with his Kaz. That was awesome. Good to get caught up and talk uh, some development there. We'll check in next week, brother. Have a good week, and thanks for the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Friday here on Hail Varsity Radio. We just heard uh, Schmidt and I sit down with Rick Kaczynski from a little bit earlier this week as uh, Kaz gracious enough to give us 15 minutes of his time and it didn't necessarily fit with some of our shows in uh, recent days. So we saved it for today and glad we got to hear that. That was great stuff from uh, the coach Rick Kaczynski with us here. A Friday news dump day. I should have expected at this point. We uh, we got Jacob Padilla about an hour too early. We'll get to that here in just a second. But first, Bill, I just want to add to something that, that we talked about in the interview there with Rick Kaczynski. And that was the aspect of uh, specialization, especially among these high school athletes going and joining one sport. And I just want to throw out there, sport specialization in the way that Kaz is talking about it, where you're getting a guy who's away from competition for nine months just trying to work and focus on it, that's a bigger deal for the guys that are future D1 athletes. It, it's a less big deal for an average Joe like me who's going out and playing high school football, and I was terrible at basketball, I was terrible at baseball, I was slow, I couldn't run track and field. Like I specialized in football growing up just because it was the only thing I was good at. And what he's talking about with the importance of specialization, I, I think personally, I'm no the expert here, I think it's more important for those future D1 guys because they're kind of showing, yeah, I can be good at this sport on my athleticism, not because I've been working 365 days a year for the past five years on my craft. I've been working for three months a year for the past five years on my craft. And 
I'm still this good at football. I, I think that's where the argument comes from me for the, the argument of you, you don't want specialization because you want these guys that are future D1 athletes to go out there and get experiences in other sports and learn what kind of body motions are necessary in other sports and how that can translate over. But for an average Joe, like you or me, I, I feel like that argument is a little bit less necessary unless you got a kid who loves playing all these different sports, in which case there's no need to specialize. But for a guy like me who was a big kid, couldn't jump, couldn't really run, was pretty strong, but couldn't hit a baseball, uh, could kind of throw a baseball, was not great at fielding a baseball, uh, couldn't swing a golf club really. I mean, like the, the specialization for me was almost necessary because I was just bad. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't gifted. You know, one of the great things about growing up in small town Nebraska, and granted, I'm from the, you know, Fairbury greater Fairbury metropolitan area, but nevertheless, is the opportunity to compete in so many different sports. And in my case, you know, football, basketball, baseball, I was not a track guy, uh, but you got to experience all that stuff. You got to experience, you know, Friday night in Fairbury and then Friday night in Crete or Friday, Saturday in Hebron and Holdridge and, you know, playing at home and, and family and friends are all there in a small gym. It's packed and it's, and if people remember that the, the new building at Fairbury High that I played in was built in 1947. That was the new building. That was the new gym. And my buddy Ben Boyle, who played at York, used to say that his coach, uh, was that John Arnold at York back in the day? They used to shut off half the lights in the York gym because when they knew when they were going to Fairbury, the, the lights would be so dim because, uh, dim because it was just basically light bulbs. You know, it wasn't fluorescent lighting. But that's the charm of high school athletics in, in, in rural states and Midwestern states and small towns that you get to compete and you get to enjoy the atmosphere and the bus rides and all of that stuff. And I feel bad for all of my friends who grew up in big cities and, you know, they may have been decent athletes and may have started at a small town, but they were in, in schools where there's 3,000 kids, 2,000 kids, and you just can't, you don't get the chance to compete and enjoy that experience and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the specialization of the athletes, the, the, the people that I think are most concerned that you specialize the athlete, it's the coaches of those special sports, the AAU coach, the club coach. You got to specialize or you're not going to get that college scholarship, meaning I'm not going to get look good and I'm not going to be able to get those other kids to come into my program and get parents to pay me 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you're not going to have access to the training staff that I've got at the gym down the block and on and on and on, because I've got a specialty program that's going to train your athlete to be a great baseball player and get that college scholarship. You don't want to play football. You don't want to play basketball. You don't want to run track. You need to specialize. And whether that's basketball and AAU and club and, you know, uh, kids playing 100 basketball games a year, more than an NBA schedule. Or they're pitching, you know, all these games and they're blowing out their arms by the time they get to college. Or, you know, don't play, don't wrestle if you're a football player or don't run tracker because you might get hurt. The ones who are most concerned about athletes specializing are the coaches who want the athletes to specialize. I've been around plenty of collegiate coaches in my life, in my career. And I would bet that 90% of them want the athlete who's a football player, to wrestle or do track. Maybe not basketball, maybe not all of them, but just be involved. You know, if, if wrestle if you can, because the discipline of, of wrestling and the conditioning and 
is so important. Or track and field, it keeps you in condition, you know, in, in that spring time. And then you get into football, maybe two sports, maybe not three and four. But most college coaches, male and female athletes, want those athletes in specialty sports. Terry Pettit built a Nebraska volleyball program on great track athletes, good basketball players, great track athletes, great track athletes, and kids who played volleyball in the fall. You know, he built them on athletes in Nebraska, in Iowa, in Kansas, and every now and then you get the one player out of California or something, and now Nebraska's an international program. But to me, it's the industry of the club that demands specialization. Not the high school coach, not the college coach, and the more you specialize and the more you enjoy competing and being with your friends and, and the competition and the rivalries, you are missing out on life. If you think the only thing I'm going to do is pitch a baseball, throw a football, shoot a basketball, you are missing out on the greater part of what sports is all about, winning and losing. And, and I'm a little bit closer to this, and I, I had friends in high school that, that did go down that specialization route where their baseball coach told them, hey, you can go D1 if uh, you join my travel ball team, play 150 games this summer or something crazy. Or you're a great basketball player. you got to hit the AAU circuit this summer and, hey, quit the football team and we'll, we'll get some work in uh, in the gym this fall. The guys like that, um, that, I mean, they were great athletes in their own right, and they ended up specializing. I feel like for the most part they ended up burning out where they had they to do so much football year-round or so much baseball or basketball, whatever sport it is. They did it so much year-round. By the time they got around to going off to college and picking where they wanted to go, they realized, man, I don't have a lot of love for this sport anymore because I have just been grinding through. I mean, since I was 12 years old, I've been grinding on this sport day in, day out, and I'm tired of grinding on it. I want to be a kid. I want to be able to enjoy my life, and part of that is being able to go out and enjoy time with your friends. And sure, if you got a sport you love, if you're a, a, a parent sitting at home who's got a kid, there's a sport they love, they're a great athlete all around. As Kaz said, get them some, some specified lessons that they can do on weeknights while they're participating in other sports. That can be the sport that they, they focus the most time upon, but don't make it the only sport they play. That I can get behind. But even if, even if you compete year-round, and you, play, and, you know, let's say you know, you're a Class B, Class C1 you know, athlete in Nebraska, and you play football, and you show up in August and you play football until October, November, and then you've got that period of basketball, and you play basketball, and you've got that period between basketball and track or golf, or then you play a little Legion ball in the summer. Even if you are competing year-round, that's different than specializing year-round. Mm -hmm. You know, that's doing something different. It's working your body differently. And maybe you're not great at basketball, but you're a great football player. Or maybe you're not a great track athlete, but you can play a little golf, which is going to last you the rest of your life. At least you're doing something, and you're with your buddies, and you're staying in shape, and you're developing some discipline, and hopefully the academics are tied to that. There is so much. I, I'm, I don't worry about the, the year-round competition or the year-round activity burnout. It's the burnout when it's one specific sport day after day after day. And, again, it's, you know, and, and I don't have a problem with club athletics. But when the club coach says, you can't do that if you want to be in my club, and there are those, especially when mm -hmm. I was down in Texas, where you're going to be a baseball player. Well, I got football. No, you're not going to play football. I'm not, I want to play basketball. No, basketball season can't because – Baseball season in Texas starts in December. You know, you're not doing the kid any good and you're going to burn them out. 
But if you play year round, you play all kinds of sports and have fun with it. Ah, that's the, that's the best. That's the best part about growing up in a small town, getting to do it all. And maybe one night you have a, you know, you have a memorable game or something that bus rides. That's, that's what kids miss out on when they specialize. Bill, before we get out of here this segment, let's get to our Friday afternoon news dump, which I haven't had a Friday afternoon news dump in a while, but they, uh, they are more frequent uh, than I expect. Like getting into radio, I wasn't expecting that this like, oh, oh, 5 p.m. on a Friday. Here comes all the Husker news. Shocking how much this happens. But uh, it would have been nice to talk to Jacob Padilla an hour after we did, because uh, about 30 minutes after we finished talking to him, uh, Robin Washit with On3 Sports reporting that Husker basketball assistant coach Armand Gates will be leaving Coach Hoiberg's staff headed for a similar job at the University of Oregon. And uh, it's a full circle moment here a little bit because Chris Crutchfield, who uh, Armand Gates is replacing, left Dana Altman's staff over at Oregon to come take the head coaching position at Omaha. So, uh, Oregon loses an assistant coach moving off to Nebraska, and where do they go to find their assistant coach? But the other school in Nebraska, the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, Armand Gates, uh, after four years in Lincoln, will be out the door, headed off to Oregon, and that leaves Hoiberg with a late spot he now has to fill on his assistant coaching staff. And, uh, Bill, it's one of those things, didn't necessarily see it coming. It sounded like Hoiberg uh, liked what he had from Armand Gates. He's the only assistant coach that was retained from those Tim Miles years. And uh, this close to the season as we're in late July, it's a little bit out of the blue. However, it's going to leave Coach Hoiberg scrambling over the next couple of months to try to find an assistant coach he can use to, to fill that spot. But, you know, I, I, it, it's just the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Lincoln last year at this time and, and doing some radio with the university, uh, Armand came on the show once or twice and got a chance to meet him and just a gregarious, charismatic, wonderful guy. And you, But you just knew talking to him that Nebraska wasn't his final destination, that his destination is to be a head coach one day. And part of the, the, the pathway to be a head coach in college basketball is you make a lot of stops along the way. And so in one opportunity, you're at the Big Ten School in Nebraska. Now you're going to the Mountain West in Oregon or wherever they are. Um, the Great Pack Conference or the Pack West, I don't know what they are. But, look, if you can go coach for Dana Altman and you've been with Fred Hoiberg, you know, this is just the next stop, the next rung on the ladder for a guy like Armand, who will be a wonderful college basketball coach someday, head coach. And uh, I wish him all the best. I, I really, really enjoyed him when I, was, when I was visiting at Nebraska. So good luck to him. And no shock at all that he's finding another spot on his uh, ultimate destination. Bill Dolman, technical issues resolved is with us here on a Friday afternoon edition, Hail Varsity Radio. We'll be back with more after the Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
Back in, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman taking you through this Friday edition as Schmitty getting a Friday off today. It's uh, good to get those days off now before the craziness of football season ramps up. We're just a couple weeks away from Big Ten Media Days, and then after that, uh, just a few short weeks from Nebraska kicking off against Northwestern in Dublin. Uh, so uh, Chris taking this Friday off. I'll be taking it next Friday off. And uh, after that, I believe we are going to be uh, I'm pretty much gearing up, getting ready for football season. we got one week uh, of shows, and then after that, Schmitty's off to Indianapolis. Indianapolis, I believe, is where Big Ten Media Days are this year. I don't know. I'm not the one going there. I'm not the one with the plane ticket. So uh, he'll be off to Big Ten Media Days on that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We'll be bringing you some good content there, uh, getting you some interviews from, uh, I mean, everyone in the Big Ten, plus all all the uh, Nebraska individuals that end up traveling out as well. And uh, Bill, let you jump in here. Uh, How many times do you think those coaches are going to be asked and don't want to be asked and refuse to answer the question about UCLA, USC, Big Ten expansion, and Notre Dame. I mean, those coaches are going to be like, don't ask. I, I, I'm not, and it's going to be asked all over and over and over and over again. And uh, there'll be so many non-answers about Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, that's going to be kind of funny. It will be fun. I mean, like the the, the college football eyes uh, across the nation will be on the Big Ten Media Days for those couple of days just to see what kind of information can be gleaned. And Chris Schmidt is going to be on this scene there doing live shows. Uh, we'll have two of them from, I think it's Indianapolis, but don't if, if I'm wrong here. Hey, hey, it, it ought to be in Lincoln. Lincoln is the central, central hub <laughs> of the Big Ten Conference, right? Uh, so why why are you going so far east to Chicago or Indianapolis? I mean, you got to be right in the middle. And there are, I'm, I tell people all the time, one of the best areas in the country right now is Omaha and Lincoln. It has it has gone so far into you know the, the current you know the the current culture and with the arenas and the excitement and I. I I put Lincoln and Omaha up there with any any place of its size in the country. So since since Nebraska is right in the heart of Big Ten country, everybody ought to just come into to town and 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 hang out at have have it at Schmitty's backyard. Well, I mean, they, the they, they, I mean, up in Omaha, they got that big uh, the big event center right next to. Oh man, they keep on changing the name of it. T, T well, what's the what's the arena? It used to be the I don't know Quest Center, here, here, and they kept on changing talk, it. Come to Lincoln. Charlie Meyer will get them salt dog tickets. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, cross over the bridge and go down to the Haymark area. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they could probably have a high heel in the sneakers uh, concert down at Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, Nightcap at, at Barry's. All the Big Ten coaches meet at Barry's. Yeah, yeah. At, at the Z table. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's just so natural now. <laughs> you know? And let me, let me say this, though, in, in all seriousness. When people say, well, Nebraska can't recruit, Nebraska can't recruit, you know, those athletes in California are now looking east and thinking, oh, maybe the Big Ten, okay. And you start to say, hey, you know, you could play in Lincoln and in the Big Ten and not have to travel all the way to a Happy Valley or I'm sure Rutgers is on their radar. But, you know, the the trip from uh, L.A. and, uh, 
you know, those California kids might find themselves in, in Nebraska a whole lot more because they want to play in the Big Ten and not travel all the way across the country uh, like they thought of it. Same reason why you've got a few more Texas kids maybe making their way up uh, to the Big Ten. So this USC-UCLA thing might be pretty good for Nebraska recruiting in uh, places like California and Texas. Don't don't be surprised about that. Bill Dolman I'm right this. about everything else. Why wouldn't I be right about that too? Bill Dolman with us, Friday edition, Hale Varsity Radio, Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman filling in for Chris. And Bill, just to get back to Big Ten Media Days for just a second, I'm sure there's going to be significant questions not only about Big Ten expansion, but specifically when you look at Nebraska, you got to think there's got to be a lot of questions about what that offense looks like. And uh, as we get closer and closer to fall camp, I think that question is going to be answered. And uh, Matt Masker sat down with Robin Washington on three sports. What a day for Robin as uh, he had this story. <laughs> and then also uh, breaking the news on Armand Gates uh, heading off to Oregon. But uh, the, the quote from Masker that uh, I think stood out to me, the, the question's been is how much is this offense going to be the Mark Whipple offense? How much is it going to be the Scott Frost offense? How much is it going to be mixed? We don't really know what it looks like, but uh, Masker giving us a little bit of insight, you know, a guy who's been with Scott Frost his entire tenure here at Nebraska. And uh, he said he, he's definitely taken a step back and it's been really hard on him. Uh, Masker continued, as you know, he's been the offensive guy. I know it's been hard for him to step away, but that's what he agreed to. And that's why he hired Coach Ripple. He agreed to, yeah, this is your show now. I'm the head ball coach, but I need you to bring in your offense, be in command of it and run it. And Coach Whipple has done just that. And that's been the question is, yeah, I mean, whenever Matt Lubick came to Nebraska, you watch the offense and you went, okay, this is a Scott Frost offense with a different offensive coordinator uh, being named. Like it, it didn't look anything different. But as far as the X's and the O's, uh, Masker says it's been Whipple's show from a, as soon as he stepped foot on campus. Uh, and saying that the quarterback play will be different, uh, the passing game is completely different, uh, and the quarterback will not be taking a beating as much. I'm going to try to hammer the passing game, and the running game will change greatly as well. So could be a completely different-looking offense whenever Nebraska trots out onto the field in Dublin uh, just a little over a month away from now. And I think that does kind of give Nebraska the advantage in that game uh, just because as we saw with Illinois last year, I brought this up on the show a couple days ago, uh, sorry, Illinois last year, was the fact that Illinois came out and surprised Nebraska. We didn't know what kind of defense they were going to be running. Uh, their offense was a bit of a question mark. You knew it was going to have that, that Brett Bielema hallmark power run game, uh, but you weren't quite sure what you were going to get, and Nebraska came out and was honestly surprised in the first half. And you got to wonder uh, how long it's going to take these teams in the Big Ten to adjust to, to Mark Whipple's offense. How different is it actually going to look? Because you have multiple years of, of film on the Scott Frost offense, but say you're coming into week five, you have four weeks of, of offense on tape, and there's really a, a lot in your bag that you can still come out and, and pull out uh, whenever you need it. So if it is a completely different offense, uh, it's a, I think it's advantage Nebraska with how – Last year's offense struggled to hide the deficiencies of the offensive line play and uh, how much it struggled to get a, a run game going, especially in the Big Ten. You, you bring in a, a seasoned veteran who's going to have different eyes for what the Big Ten is and what you need to do in the Big Ten. And while we don't know exactly what Mark Whipple's offense is going to look like, we're, we're getting more clarity as we go on a week-by-week basis. Well, first of all, it should not have mattered what Illinois did or didn't do, surprised. It, it, that never should have lost that game, ever. Does I, I don't care if they would have trotted out 14 players and, <laughs> and played offensively and defensively. It, it 
it should not have mattered that, oh, we didn't expect that. Well, you know what? You should have executed on your side of the ball and not had a safety on a punt return, fumbled the ball at halftime and gave up a fumble six and all that stuff. So I don't care what Brett Bielema did. Nebraska should have won that game. It doesn't matter what they would have done. Um, and if you want to look at what Mark Whipple has done, you just you know, pull up VHS tapes, DVDs, or streaming services and watch what he did at UMass, watch what he did at Pittsburgh. They don't have Kenny Pickett at quarterback or the receiver that's, uh, I don't know where he has gone now, USC. You know, you just look and, and you can see, okay, well, th this is what he does. These are the tendencies. And this is what football coaches do. They break it down and, and they've got an idea. The, I don't want to say the most troubling comment that I saw in the, in the article with Administrator Masker. Uh, I understand why he is the the uh, expert to go to because he's been around. But when he said everybody runs the same thing nowadays, well, great. We, we run, everybody runs. It's the NFL. It's all homogenized. Everybody runs the same thing. It's different terminology. Look, we were successful in the 80s and 90s, and I said we. When when Tom Wade made the decision to go to the option, and it was. Oklahoma and Nebraska and the the Air, the Air Force Academy and maybe somebody else running the option. And the reason why we were so successful is because teams did not see that but once a year. And then you had a team that ran it really well. So it's one thing to prepare for the option with a bad team and go, okay, well, we're, gonna, we're, we're bigger than them on their offensive line. We're faster. We can stop it. We'll get it done. Like Miami did to us a lot of times, right? They were just better athletes and they were able to stop it but when we got the players and the personnel and the quarterback and the offensive line and the defense and all of that it didn't matter and tom even said that it doesn't really matter if we tell them what we're going to run we're just going to go run it and execute it so when matt says we everybody runs it well okay then it doesn't really matter how different mark whipple's offense is it's do you have the personnel to run it and run it effectively? Do you have the offensive line and the depth along the line to protect the quarterback and allow him to pass the ball? You know, it, it's college football has become the NFL and Nebraska, who was uh, outstanding, and I mean that an outlier from everybody else along with Oklahoma back in those days. You know, that's what made it different. I, I had a conversation with Brady Hoke when he was at – San Diego State and was a coach at Michigan in 1997, and we had a little standoff and stare-off as to who would have won that game. And I said, I said we would have won it because of the option. You know, that, and that's the difference. But if, if you're going to run what everybody else runs, you just better run it better than everybody else. Up against the break here, Bill. Apologies to our affiliates. We went a little over there, but I wasn't going to cut you off. You had, you had good stuff there. So uh, we will wrap up a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio after the break right here on uh, ESPN Lincoln and for our affiliates across the state, Kearney, Hastings, Grand Island, Columbus. We love you all. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. 
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Wrapping up a Friday edition of Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Elijah Herbal. And Bill Dolman filling in for Chris Schmidt here on a Friday. Chris will be back in for the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. If uh, you're one of our listeners from across the state or even from outside the borders of the great state of Nebraska, you can catch that in podcast form. Uh, that will be up on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, the Hale Varsity YouTube page as well. You can also stream us live, ESPNLincoln.com, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn Media and uh, Odyssey. A lot of great <laughs> options for you to uh, to stream us live on a Saturday morning edition if you're not from around here. Bill, before we get out of here, I've saved your favorite topic for last. Just one quick recruiting note to hit before we get out of here. Cameron Linhart, four-star from down in IMG, plays that defensive end spot. A talented kid. He has included Nebraska in his top three, and it's got some Big Ten juice. Nebraska, Michigan State, and Penn State are the top three for Linhart. I've saved it last because Bill Dolman's giving me the sarcastic <laughs> fist bumps all the way from out in Denver. So I've saved that for last, but uh, Cameron Linhart has included Nebraska in the top three. It's interesting. He's a guy who's off of IMG, meaning he has specialized in the sport of football. And we hit that earlier with Kaz. If you missed that, catch it, ESPNLincoln.com. Uh, you can also check out Jacob Padilla's interview, ESPNLincoln.com, or check out the full podcast, the places I uh, mentioned earlier, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, the Hale Varsity YouTube page. We'll be back with you on a Saturday. Thanks for tuning in today. Bye now. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you in the morning. A Huda Media Production.